Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to 12 Stone. Y'all awake and alive, Sugar Love Campus? You good? Across all of our campuses, hopefully you're awake and alive. 12 Stone Home, what's up? I asked for 90 seconds while you're getting ready. I feel like Kanye West. I'll time West. you. I'm going to let you finish. I'll time you. Taylor Swift. But uh, here's, here's the deal. That got weird. I'm sorry. Uh, it did. I, I asked for 90 seconds because uh, something happened that was sort of profound for me, at least, in, over the last couple weeks. Uh, I've been bumping into 12 Stoner at different places. Like I'm out at a restaurant or I'm at the mall or I'm walking around. I'll bump into a 12 Stoner and I, I keep hearing the same story. I go, hey, dude, how you been? Doing great. I said, what, what campus are you jumping into? But I haven't been back in like 16, 17 months. I just say, why? And they very rarely have a good excuse. We know some people do, but they're like, it's just, I got into a habit. You ever been in like, just gotten a rut of a habit? And I said, dude, come back, hop back in your campus. And twice in the last two weeks, two people, two families have jumped back in and they, they took it upon themselves to text. And by the way, I got their permission to say this. They texted and said, dude, thank you. Like, I didn't realize how far I had drifted in some things. Things that used to be high on my priority list are now low, and things that used to be low are now sort of high, and we've sort of drifted into some stuff. Thank you. Something happened when I jumped in with other believers. Listen, maybe you're sitting out there, and you've not been back to church for 15, mm. 16, 17, 18 months, and maybe you just need the, like, the nudge over the edge. This is your nudge. Listen, I get it. People, people say, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Yeah, you could be married and not go home, but I wouldn't recommend it, right? <laughs> like this, this Come might on, that be was funny. your nudge. I stole that Come somewhere. On, that I can't remember funny. where I stole it from. Whoever said it, thank it you. It was your wife, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's at Brazelton right now. That's not true. Trust me. Here's the deal. Maybe you need the nudge or maybe you need to be the nudger. Listen, across our campuses, across 12 Stone Home, we know thousands of people that need a nudge. We know thousands of people that have gotten to ruts and habits and they're drifting places that, listen, if they would just gather with the people of God, something happens. This is not our idea. This is God's idea. And so maybe this week is your week to say, I know four or five of my friends. I know one friend and I'm going to bribe them with a brunch before church or lunch after 12 Stone Home. And you say, listen, this is your week. I'm telling you, there are people who are one nudge away from getting some things cleaned up. And getting some things right-sized and reprioritized, this is the season to do it. Because, dude, we're in a series right now yeah, that on. is going to be incredible. And no pressure, but it's going to be real good today. Best so you've you ever heard. So you just take it right here and All start right, teaching. See you later. I'm just kidding. Hey, no. While you're standing here, check this yeah. out. Did I show you this? Let me just Let show you the picture. Side. Yeah. Can you figure out what's happening? Just look at it, everybody, wherever you are. Can you figure out what's happening in the picture? Did you take this picture? I, I'm not going to say. I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. He's losing his salvation behind what's going yeah, on be, here. Be, behind these mixers, just concrete mixers, side by side. Everything was fine on the road until we got to the light. And then these two mixers were side by side at the red light. Not behind, they didn't go behind No, each no, other. side by side. And you know what's going on in everybody's mind. Seriously, that should be against the law. That should, that should not. And then they take off in their pathetic pace. And everybody behind them is losing their stuff. You know what's That's going on right there? Conflict. Yeah. That's conflict is right. That's conflict. You know you wouldn't like that. I would have just prayed about it personally. But hey, you... <laughs> 
You do you, whatever you got to do. <laughs> First time. First time for everything. That's true. Now, you would have asked for forgiveness. That's true. In fact, you can see there's a Corvette that finally snuck through. I got stuck behind him. Uh, Marcia and I were uh, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, last month doing this little interview thing for the book. And we saw the best uh, digital sign on the highway we've ever seen, bar none. I didn't get a picture of it, but I wrote it down. Here it is. You ready? Camp in the Ozarks, not in the left lane. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Not, well, no, I don't you need it. you, so. You got it, man. Let's get, you ready to get at this? We're going to talk about conflict. In fact, I don't know why you're here live at the campus live. I don't know, I don't know why you showed up at, at 12 Stone Home. I don't know why you're listening in online, but I know why God has this agenda in front of us. Would you ask him for help? If you're spiritually unresolved and you're listening in, maybe you don't even know that you really believe in God. Give it a shot. Say, God, if you're there, would you teach me today? If you're a follower of Christ, whether you're adrift or deep with him these days, would you just ask him right now? God, would you teach me? Holy Spirit, would you instruct me? It's who he is. It's what he does. So Holy Spirit, would you instruct us today? We need to hear from you. Our relationships, so many of them in great conflict and tension. We need to hear from you. Would you give us your wisdom and then would you give us your courage to follow what you teach us in Jesus' name? So church on the road of life, there is conflict. There's what? Well, of course there is. In fact, all relationships have conflict. We all get this. They're, they're, it is inescapable. There's conflict in every friendship. If you're roommates at college, you'll experience conflict, minor or major. If you're roommates, it's well after college. If you're single and you're, you got your roommates, you'll experience conflict. They will annoy you. Go to your own room, right? That's, that's what you do. When you're married, you're going to experience conflict. It happens in family. There's conflict at work, in relationships, with coworkers, with boss, with employees, with customers, with investors. There's conflict in neighborhoods. There's conflict in churches. Small group, serving team. You can't be anywhere in life without experiencing the reality of conflict. And it's been exponential in the last 17 months with the shutdown, right? I mean, this has been at a level of conflict where, and it's not because conflict's new, it's because it's got an intensity where Couples turn on each other, and families turn on each other, and friends turn on each other, and congregations turn on each other, citizens turn on each other. It's, it's ugly. In fact, in a lot of the conversations that I've had with many of you one-on-one, -on -one, you've identified the, the impact of that. Because here's the reality. Conflict leads to hurt. Conflict leads to what? couldn't hear you. Conflict leads to what? And when we've been in these conversations about the weight of conflict, you've said things like this. I'll just put on the screen so you see them all. You've, you've talked about hurt, fear, anger, sadness, that the reality is that those flow out of the conflict in relationship and in seasons like this past 17 months. And so there's been a stirring in, in Pastor Jason and myself that, that the Holy Spirit would want us to have just a, a straight up, down the middle, strike ball kind of conversation about the emotional intensity and the reality of what conflict does for us and how you manage, how you handle, how you get healthy through emotions. 
So we're going for it. The Holy Spirit's going to teach us. Today we're going to talk about hurt. In fact, here's, the, here's really the question. Let's put it. Everybody, everyone's been hurt. How do you get healthy? Everyone's been what? Hurt. How do you get what? Healthy. Everyone's been hurt. How do you get healthy? You can't be in relationships and not experience hurt. Now, we know how to get healthy in the physical world. Like, like we, know, we know when we get physically hurt. Like, yeah, I, yeah, there's a path to getting healthy. Tom Brady played hurt. By the way, we all know that you play hurt in life. You, you, you do marriage and and you do it hurt. There's, there's an emotional hurt, if you will, and it takes emotional muscle, but, but physically it's more obvious. So Tom Brady comes out, and the story comes out if you follow anything in the NFL, and he's been playing hurt all year and won a Super Bowl. It annoys me. Does it annoy anyone else? He didn't need another ring. And then to find out he's like, as somebody says, he's been playing on one leg. That is just annoying. First of all, I got him. I'm a little impressed. Anyone? Come on. He's like, oh, that's a man's man's stuff. That's, wow, how do you do that? And, th and then, yes, it violates the NFL rules. Sure, the Bucks might, you know, get penalized. Sure, he might be suspended. But, bro, you played her. That's amazing. And then how do you get healthy? Well, he got surgery. And he's on the men. So you just know, oh yeah, but how do you get surgery emotionally? See, it may never occur to you that Jesus lived hurt. Emotionally, relationally hurt. Think about it. Family members who didn't believe in him. <laughs> the crowd he served and fed and healed who turned on him. His closest Friends, the 12 disciples, his foxhole friends, turn on him. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. The others abandon him. I mean, why? How does that happen? How can you be in any kind of meaningful relationship and experience that kind of conflict that leads to that kind of hurt? And maybe the reason the disciples turned on Jesus, maybe the reason Jesus was relationally hurt by them is the same reason it happens for all of us. You may have never thought about it. So let's talk about it. Let's walk through the disciples experience. The first is unmet expectations. Judas betrayed Jesus. Why? Maybe it was because of unmet expectations. I already gave you the answer, but I'll ask the question. What is the number one reason for disappointment? The number one reason for disappointment. It's up there. It's a clue. What is the number one? Let's pretend like you don't know, and you'll just sound like you're amazingly wise people. What is the number one reason for disappointment? Everybody? Unmet expectations? You are so wise you came here knowing the answer. See, when, when, when someone fails to meet your expectations, you're sorely disappointed. In fact, sometimes that's the source of conflict, and you feel hurt. You're like, how could you do that to me? If it's real or if it's in your imagination, it's still how you experience it. What if, hang on, stay with me. What if, what if Judas, what if Judas turned on Jesus because Jesus failed his expectations? 
and he felt justified. By the way, not expectations Jesus ever gave him or that Jesus ever agreed to, but Judas had a perspective in life. Let me take you in. Let me do a quick little kind of deep dive into Judas and see if this is helpful to you. Judas was a zealot. By most scholars' understanding, all we can gather from the clues and cues, Judas was a particular zealot. The zealots, while Israel is under Roman occupation, they don't think that you should collaborate with, with the Romans. They don't think that you should integrate. They don't think you should accommodate. They, they, they think you should just fight against. You should stand against. In fact, they wanted to stand against the, the Roman Empire and, and undo them politically and then take their role as, as sovereign Israel. And, and their belief system was strong and deep in the Old Testament, the Torah. And, and, and so they stood by the law of God through Moses and, and they stood for their own sovereignty. And listen, and their faith and their politics were synonymous. And because their perspective put their faith and politics in one picture, it created the bent toward how they interpreted prophecy. So to them, prophecy was said in the Old Testament, which meant that the Messiah will come and the Messiah will politically overthrow Rome. Therefore, when Jesus showed up and invited Judas to be one of his 12 disciples, Judas is thrilled. I found the Messiah. He was a rabbi. He was, he was wholly committed to the Torah and the law. He walked in righteousness. He had the power of God upon him and through him. He did miracles. He was wise. Now the fulfillment. We're going to overthrow Rome. And for Judas, the zealot, it was most likely that he expected Jesus to raise up a political revolution. And Jesus began to talk about a spiritual revolution. Keep listening. And it was unbelievably disappointing to Judas. Jesus is now talking about to follow Jesus. You got to be sacrificial. Die to yourself. What? In fact, I'm going to die, Jesus says. Jesus is now turning this whole equation. What if that's what causes Judas to think, you know what? I'm not even sure he's the Messiah. This isn't what I signed up for. There's many times when Jesus disappoints you because you thought Jesus was joining you instead of you joining Jesus, you begin to turn on him. Happens to a whole bunch of people who say, I still follow. He's still saying, I follow Jesus, but hang on. He's undermining Jesus. You just look at Mark chapter 12. You see the progression where Judas is starting to question Jesus. Mary, in this moment in Mark chapter 12, is pouring perfume on the feet of Jesus. And as she pours on the feet of Jesus and, and wipes him, and it, it, here's Judas' response. Look at it. Here, here's the scripture. Here's what he says. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Pause. Listen. Jesus was receiving the worship that was coming his way from Mary. And Judas says, what are you doing, Jesus? You ever, you ever to sort of say that in the way you think and act toward Jesus? You read scripture and like, what are you doing? That, he doesn't mean that. that. That can't possibly be what Jesus means. When, when, you, when, you're, when you, when Jesus fails to meet your expectations, you either join his perspective or you undermine him. 
It's your only options. What if Judas was just ticked? Because he's a zealot and he sees his faith and politics as one. And Jesus isn't meeting the expectations. In fact, I tend to join with the scholars who believe that Judas didn't likely take the money for himself and just buy stuff, that he took the money and funneled it to the zealots to help undo this political rising up or, or, or the political work of, of the Roman Empire, that really it was justified in his mind. So by time he realizes that Jesus isn't on his agenda, he's not on Jesus's agenda. He's hurt by Jesus. He'd been following him all this time. And now Jesus probably is a false Messiah. He's not going to do a political revolution. This little spiritual revolution thing Jesus talked about is ridiculous. And what if he felt hurt and out of his hurt felt justified to hurt Jesus? Don't kid yourself. This happens in marriage, family, business, churches, all the time. You got to know what's breaking down. This has been going on the last 17 months. In fact, quite honestly, one of the greatest pressures in my world, in our world, even as a church, is to, by God's grace, help us not fall into the Judas trap where our faith and politics get so interwoven that we think Jesus is here for a political revolution when Jesus is here for a spiritual revolution. And if you get people right with Jesus, you'll get everything else right. And I know it's complicated. Your faith should inform your politics, but it's a tough line to walk. I pray for this country. There's so much broke in this country. It breaks my heart. But we're here for a spiritual revolution because if you transform someone from the inside out, you can get it right, but you can't fix it from the outside in. Too much is broke. It takes the power of God to do it. There's another reason. Let's move to the second. Unexpected pressures. Why did Peter deny Jesus? Listen, Peter said he was devoted to Jesus. Jesus said, you'll, betray, you'll deny me. And what did Peter say? Look at what Peter said. Peter said to him, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you? Will you lay down your life for me? Really? In fact, he says, truly, truly, which means this is really true. I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter said, never going to happen. And then he did. He did. Right? He turned on Jesus. How do, you, how do you love Jesus and then turn on him? Because you experience unexpected pressure. Let me say it this way. The last 17 months has been pressure we never expected. And under pressure, conflict increases. You feel hurt, and when you're hurt, you hurt others. It never occurred to you when you got married that it wouldn't be bliss. But under the pressure of marriage... Things can go sideways. You thought if you had kids, it would bring you together. <laughs> All of us with kids love that. Have more. It didn't work the first time. Have another. See if it works this time. Get a couple more. How's that working for you? The very job that's going to provide for your family, you get under so much pressure. It's the very thing that pulls you from your family. Don't kid yourself. Unexpected pressure does things to you you never thought it would do, and it creates conflict in you, and you bring that conflict to others. Oh, there's real hurt. Oh, real. Listen, I'm above hurt. No, you're not. All relationships are not just intellectual. They're emotional. God created us this way, and the way you handle hurt 
is a matter of spiritual maturity and depth. This is a spiritual matter. That's why Jesus addresses it this way. God loves us so much. He teaches us how do you get healthy emotionally and relationally. And you got to understand there's, there's all sorts of, sorts of unexpected pressure. And under that pressure, you fall. Say things and do things you never would have done otherwise if you weren't under pressure. There's another one. Lost in uncertainty. See, the other disciples abandoned Jesus. They were lost in uncertainty. They're like, I can't. I, the world fell apart. Jesus got arrested. Judas turned on Jesus. What do we do? The way we understand the world has fallen apart. And when it falls apart, you're like, I, I. It's, it's beyond my control. Don't tell me that wasn't going on the last 17 months for many of us. Like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't understand my country. I don't understand the world. I don't understand my neighbor. I don't, sometimes I don't understand my spouse. I don't understand my church. I don't understand the, my fellow church members. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand my friends. What are we doing? And they just, like, this is crazy. And sometimes when it just feels insane and you don't know what's going on and you feel lost, you just abandon. You just walk away. You just, I don't know. See, Jesus lived in a very real world of conflict and relational hurt. Maybe what I just walked through isn't helpful. So let me add to it. Let me paint a picture. Let's go over here and have some fun. See, what's true is that we are all in a tug of war. In a what, everybody? Tug of war. A little fire because we're going to have some fun. We are in a what? Tug of war. Here's what that means. That in, in life, we, we've got this side of the rope. And we're pulling on it. And, and, and we're, trying to, we're trying to win. We've got goals and hopes and dreams. And, and we're in a world of relationship. And you can't do this alone. So on this side, this is what it means to be on a team. You get your sports team. And you all to get together on the same side of the rope. And you pull in the same direction. By the way, that's what it means to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus means you get on Jesus' side of the rope, and then you pull with him in the same direction. If you don't share his perspective, you change yours. He doesn't change his. If you don't share his principles, you don't change his. You change yours to his, and you pull in the same direction. That's true in business. You get hired on. That means you get on their side of the rope, and you pull in the same direction. You get married. And that is an I do. I do means what? We're both on the same side of the rope. We pull in the same direction. So I'm going to illustrate with marriage, but it applies to all relationships. So I have Timmy and Ansley. Timmy and Ansley, come on over here. Everybody give it up for Timmy and Ansley. Need you over here. You guys get this side of the rope, okay? You're together. This is what marriage is. Now, now how long have you guys been married? Eight and a half years. So sweet. It's probably, it's probably still good. So... <laughs> Who knows? Seven-year itch? I don't know. So, so you guys have kids? Two. Two kids. How old are they? Seven and four. How beautiful, how wonderful. Everything's awesome in your life, so we can get away with doing this. Okay, just, just fake like you're pulling the rope together. See, hang on, this isn't helpful, because there's always opposition. There's always what? So we need opposition. So I asked Travis to be available. Travis, come on up here. Okay, everybody's got to have opposition. So Travis... There are some things you can't fix, and this is one of them. All right, 
So pick it up, and, 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 and now, now you, you see, you get this, ten, you know what, actually, uh, Travis, Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's what scripture says. It says the devil has schemes against you. you this is the devil. <laughs> I, 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 for now. For, in fact, here, I'll hold, yeah. I'll hold this for you. Why don't you put that? We've got a little something for you. The devil has horns. He's got his little cape. He's got his little pitchfork. But I need him to be able to pull. So, so, so you have opposition in life. You have what? Okay, so now grab this, and let's put some tension in the rope. Okay, let me see tension in the rope. You're trying to pull him over. He's trying to pull you over, and this is going to go ugly. Now, this is the reality of how we experience life. But hang on. While you're married, and you're pulling together in the same direction, sometimes you experience unmet expectations. And instead of pulling in the same direction, you're going to turn and face Timmy while you stand there. Pretty soon, we're doing this. Everybody tell me, uh-huh. You know what we're talking about. Unmet expectations. This is where it's like, hey, hold it. I thought, I, I thought you were cleaner than that. I mean, you are a mess. Yeah, well, I thought you would clean things up. Well, I thought you'd clean up after yourself. Hey, I thought you'd discipline the kids. I thought you'd discipline yourself. Hey, I thought you could handle a budget. Hey, I thought you'd make more money. I thought I married you, not your mother. I wish I married your father. Don't pretend like this has never gone on in your head. I mean, this was supposed to be awesome, but it's not always awesome. Because unmet expectations, you turn around, cause you, come on over here, Timmy, drop the rope, get over here, cause you to go to the other side of the rope. Don't tell me this isn't true. <laughs> so now start pulling. So instead of pulling together, I'm helping just a little. So instead of pulling together, that's enough, boys. <laughs> instead of pulling together, you're pulling each other apart. Listen. This has been happening over the last 17 months in marriages, businesses, our country, and our churches. God help us. Because that person has hurt you. And listen, when you feel hurt, you hurt. Freely, you're justified. What he did to you, in fact, you know he's over there with the devil because he is the devil. Every, every wife knows that she doesn't go to that side. He does. That's the real problem. Here's what all of us know. All of us feel justified in our position and disposition. So we always believe the devil is on the other side. And our spouse or our coworker or our pastor or our congregation or our small group, our neighbor, our family member. Oh, they're on the other side. I'm, you know where Jesus is? He's over here with us. Jesus is over here with me. Jesus is not over there. He's here. We, we play these things out all the time in our minds. And then when we're pulling, we're trying to pull them across the line. I'll call it into the pool, but it's not that playful. Bruce, help me out. Sometimes, sometimes what all, all you're trying to do, put some tension on it, guys. Put some tension on, on the, not too much. Don't hurt her. Okay. And, and, and all we're trying, you know, she says, I'm strong. Well, then you go, girl. Okay. So, so just, just sometimes we just want to spit in their face. 
We're not, we're, sometimes it's like, you know what? You disrespected me. I'm going to disrespect you. And we're trying to pull them in to that expression of like, man, this is do you. Sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes go ahead and pour the mud in. Help me out here. Sometimes you just want to get mud on their face. Sometimes you want it to get, you're slinging mud. You're talking to your friends about what a jerk you married, how difficult they are. And you want to pull them right in the mud because they deserve it. Sometimes it's worse than that. Get the glass shards and pour them in. Sometimes you've been cut, you want to cut them. And so what's really going on is you bleed, you want them to bleed. This stuff gets so ugly. You can't raise healthy kids in this. You can't be healthy in this. You can't build a business in this. You can't have a team in this. Jesus can't build his church in this. This is killing us. The tug of war was supposed to be against opposition, not opposing each other. How do you get healthy? Glad you asked. We'll get there. I had a conversation yesterday after the morning prayer time. This is 12 stores at the prayer time. Jimmy Cook, he gave me permission. He came up to me and said, do you remember me? I saw you, PK, at Dave and Buster's like 17 months ago before the shutdown. He said we were, my wife and I are separated. I was explaining to him, my wife and I are separated. We had a six-year-old, 11-year-old. Things are just, they're bad. And it's going to go to divorce and we're going to be done. At Dave and Buster's, we have this conversation. He said, would you pray for me? I said, yeah. Well, we prayed over him in Dave and Buster's. It doesn't matter where you are. Just lay hands in and pray over Dave and Buster's. He said, listen, the, the shutdown helped. God began to save our marriage in the shutdown because it required me to move out of the neighbors and come back home. You know what else it did? She had an appointment with an attorney to set up divorce, and the attorney canceled it because of the shutdown. <laughs> now we're forced together, and he said, God took this tug of war, and he began to reveal me to me. Hang on, everybody, listen. And he said, God began to reveal that I was working on my wife instead of working on myself. That is so good. God began to reveal to me that, that I was parenting instead of loving when it came to my marriage. I was talking at, not talking with. God had to do a work in me. You guys talk about this prayer and journaling stuff. He said, that's lame. That's not real. Men don't do that. He said, I had a friend of mine say, why don't you do that? And I said, fine, I'll write a paragraph. He said, I have written volumes since. God has granted me a self-awareness without self-absorption in such a way that I have figured out how to walk with Christ and begin to walk in my marriage. And guess what? Come on, Timmy, walk on the other side. He walked to the other side, and God has healed their marriage. Come on. God gets credit for the graciousness in which he has set. This. I know. It's a, and, and, and there are unmet expectations, and, there, and, there, and there's all kinds of unexpected pressures that happen happen. And we got to wrap this up, and I'll, and I'll, but I'll give, I'll give you the final thought. Let me just come over here, Ansley. Let me give you the final thought. Sometimes you're lost in uncertainty. It's just not what you expected. And Ansley, I want you to just drop the rope and stay right there. And you do what the other disciples did, and you drop the rope. And he could say to Ansley, where are you, honey? She said, I'm right here. Oh, no, you're not. No, you're here, but you dropped the rope. You abandoned pulling in the same direction. 
Oh, I'm not against you. I'm not opposed. I'm not on the. Yeah, but you know what? You're in apathy. Say it with me. What's it called? Apathy. You know what apathy does? Apathy in business is the death to productivity. Apathy on a sports team is death to winning. Apathy in a marriage is death to intimacy. Apathy in a church is death to God's mission. It's why Jesus came back to Peter and restored him, but then reinstated him and said, pick up the rope. Go ahead, pick it up and pull with me in the same direction. Let's give it up for them helping us. I hope that makes sense. Now, when you, when you, when you get all the imagery and all the perspective, everyone's been hurt. And because everyone's been hurt, we kind of get this summary sense. Everyone's been hurt. How do you get healthy? Let's get practical. Let me just wrap it up and just jump to the final thoughts. Peter would tell us, gosh, I don't know, can you imagine being Peter? I love you so much, Jesus. I would lay down my life for you. Do you ever told someone you love them? You ever been in a, uh, uh, that marriage relationship of love or you've been in that dating relationship or you tell your kids you love them or you tell your parents you love them or you got friendships and maybe you don't, you know, exchange the word, man, I love you. Though I got some friends, honestly, I mean, we guys and guys in business, high level, high success, and we just say, love you, man. I have some friends, love you, man. That's in our texts. And then under pressure, you turn and you say, have you ever said things you wish you hadn't said? Hands, hands, hands. You ever done things you wish you'd never done? Hands. That means we've all been Peter in some relationship. But Peter has something. Peter has something to. Oh, my shoes undone. I'm like, what was that? I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> Peter would tell us, men and women, Jesus did something for me that is so instructive. It is so simple. It is the very thing that makes you healthy. You're going to miss it. You're going to skip over it. You're going to make it more complicated. It's not. Don't, don't find another path. Don't, don't recreate something. God has given you an answer and it's modeled by Jesus. So let me give it to you. Peter would teach us right from the experience of Jesus. How do you get healthy? Grace and humility have to come together. I want you to say that with me repeatedly. Let's go back to it, guys. Grace and humility have to come together. Just read that line with me. If you're online, I don't care if you're a believer or unbeliever. I don't care if you're sitting there with two people or 20 people. I don't care if you're in a home. I don't care if you're live at a campus. I want us to say that line. Grace and humility have to come together. I want us to say it two, three, four times. I want us to just begin to say it almost like a mantra. You ready? Let's say it together. Grace and humility have to come 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 together. That's it. 
I'm going to give instruction. Humility is required of the one who offended. When you've said and done the thing that you know is out of line, oh God, help me lay down my pride and come in humility. Humility seeks forgiveness. You form the words and you say, I'm sorry. You say, what? I'm sorry. Grace is the offended, and that's what the offended brings. And the offended extends grace and says, you're forgiven. No record of wrongs, no pendants. You're forgiven. I know in the most complicated of situations, trust gets earned back in a lot of ways. I understand that. But forgiveness releases them. Look at what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3. All of you be like-minded. That means we should be in unity in the body of Christ. Like-minded. We're not, we're not doing the same thing the world does. We're not opposite ends of the tug of war. You don't go to the other side in your church and pull against each other. you like-minded. Be sympathetic. That's really empathy. That means you start with the other person, not yourself. Love one another. That means no selfish ambition or vain conceit. Be compassionate. That's the grace you grant to someone else and humble. And what? Humble. Grace and humility have to come together. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called. To this you were what? Listen, the church can't look like the world when it comes to conflict and hurt. Can I get an amen? We got to do better. We've been called to something higher because we have the grace of God. We can extend grace. I don't know that you can do it without the grace of God. But as soon as you're Peter and you get the grace of God, you write to everyone else. You got to give the grace you got from God. The grace you received from Jesus, you give to everyone else. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. It's transformational to the rest of the world. So on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he goes on. He quotes Psalm 34. Whoever desires to love life and see good days. Anyone. Anyone desire to love life and see good days. Let me see your hands. Because if your hand's not up, I don't even know what you're doing. <laughs> and then part of his answer is this. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Jesus came to Peter. And Jesus was the offended. And the extended grace. Maybe that's all that's missing. Humble grace has to come together. Let me pause for a time out. I had a conversation with just a wonderful friend, and she's gone through a horrific uh, divorce during the shutdown, not of her own doing. He's innocent. And there's no repentance on her now ex's side. She, she can't, she, there's nothing for her to fix. That's why Romans 12, 18 says, as far as it depends on you, as far as it's possible, be at peace with one another. Listen, she can't restore the relationship, so she has to release it to God. Pay attention. 
in relationships that you cannot restore and you cannot fix. You have to release that to God. You have a spirit of forgiveness that releases that to God. Your bitterness, your cynicism, your anger, your hurt, you release to God. If you can't release it to the other person and free it up, you release it to God. And when the wake of the consequences of the hurt that has come your way keeps coming because consequences come from painful things, you keep releasing it to God. The next verse in Romans 12, 19 says, and do not be vengeful. Don't take revenge. Leave room for the Lord. It's in the Lord's hands to administer justice. You keep releasing it to God. First thing, grace and humility have to come together. The next thing Peter would tell us, it's so profoundly simple. How do you get healthy? Pick up the rope, pull in the same direction. Read it with me with the same mantra passion that we read the previous. Ready? Here we go. Pick up the rope, pull in the same direction. Pick up the rope, pull in the same direction. Pick up the rope, pull in the same direction. Look what Jesus did. He said to Peter, after restoring the relationship in John chapter 21, he said, now, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. Peter, pick up the rope. You got to put an end to apathy. Three times he reinstated him to the mission. So very carefully, some of us are not in opposition to our marriage. We're just apathetic. And it's killing the marriage. Pick up the rope. And pull in the same direction. Some of us are doing this in business. And it's why there's conflict. Because we're not doing our part in business. Apathy is conquering us. Pick up the rope. Some of us in church, we're not showing up. We're not serving. Everything changed. We just like, I don't, I don't even know if I like it. Pick up the rope. Really, the things that Jason said right off the top. What, what could Jesus do if we would bring grace and humility together and pick up the rope? After the last 17 months, is there someone or something you need to forgive? Is there someone or something, so to speak, that you need to ask for forgiveness? Well, I'm going to have the campus pastors pray over us. And the Spirit of God is going to talk to us, not just today, but in the next several hours, and the next several days, and every time he does. Make sure you pick up the rope and you bring grace and humility together. Amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.